Hey, this is Dr. Priyanka Venugopal, and you're listening to the Unstoppable Mom Brain Podcast, Style, Image, and Identity with Master Coach Judith Gatton. I am thrilled to bring you today's fun and fabulous podcast conversation with my good friend and fellow colleague, Master Coach Judith Gatton. Judith is a lawyer turned image and personal style coach for high achieving women who helps them develop and express their personal style so that they can show up as the powerful women that they are. We talked about body image and how to create and find your sense of style, even if you're not at the weight that you yet want to be. I may have even gotten a little emotional during the conversation because it really brought me back to a time just a few years ago when I was at my personal heaviest and how I used to think about my body and how I dressed myself. I thought for so many years that I had to lose the weight that I wanted to lose before I could treat myself and dress myself. Well, I didn't have any tissues on hand during the podcast episode, so I managed to keep it together and we had such a great conversation that I cannot wait for you to enjoy. Before we get into today's episode, I want to make sure that you know about a brand new on-demand training that I have created just for you, the high achiever who wants to hit her personal body goal and do it while having fun. Here's the thing, a diet or a strategic plan might get you into a smaller sized body, But not having the mindset work to match that strategic plan is going to keep your brain desiring overeating. It's the reason that most diets and most plans don't last and why I created this special masterclass for you to start feeling really more in control around any food in any food scenario. You can go and grab this training for free over at theunstoppablemombrain.com forward slash desire. Okay, let's get into today's conversation with master coach Judith Gatton. If you want to reach your ideal weight and create lightness for your body, you need to have simplicity, joy, and strategic decisions infused into your life. I'm a physician turned life and weight loss coach for ambitious working moms. I've lost over 60 pounds without counting points calories, or crazy exercise plans. Most importantly, I feel calm and light on the scale and in my life. There's some delicious magic when you learn this work and the skills I'm going to be teaching you. Ready? Let's get to it. Hey, my unstoppable friends. I am so incredibly thrilled to bring on my friend, my peer, and a very, very, very special guest, master certified coach, Judith Gatton. She is an attorney turned amazing coach. She's going to tell you what kind of coach she is. I feel like I can't even sum it up in one word. It's like image, fashion, self, identity, high achieving women, basically feeling like bold ass humans. Like, can we just put that into one word? What word would that be, Judith? I don't know. You introduce Yeah, all of it. I want you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got into what you're doing now, especially because you started out being an attorney. Take it away. Oh my God. I love it. That intro is fun. I'm like, yes, bold ass humans. I love you for all of us. Yes. Yes. Hi everyone. I'm Judith Gatton and I am an image consultant, personal stylist, and general life coach for high achieving women. So it could have, there's no way to encompass all that I do, I guess. And one uh, quick phrase, I used to just say style coach, but I think that as my friends lovingly coached me, so you'll you'll be privy to some of the behind the scenes. We were all having these giant croissants that were like as big as your face. Uh-huh. And we were at this amazing coffee shop in Soho with the morning New Yorkers getting their morning cups of coffee. And my friends were around me lovingly. We were like, can we tell you something? 
But she, whenever your friends, especially their coach friends, get around you and they lean in and they're like, can we tell you something? Like, it's like we need your permission, Judith. Look, at, listen, can we ask you a very important question? <laughs> yes. It was so good. And yeah. you know, they kind of just lovingly coaxed me into the idea that like style coach does not fully encompass all that I do. And that, you know, an image coach or image consultant was a better way to encapsulate all of that. So that's the phrase image consultant, personal stylist and general life coach. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of that conversation even stemmed, I mean, first of all, you and I became friends. I don't even remember when we became friends. I think we actually met at an event and then we went to dinner and I think yep. Greg and Bev, we were at dinner together and I feel like I just hit it off with you. And then we bonded over Star Trek. We yes. are both Trekkies. We both love a good Star Trek. There we go. And I feel like we just started messaging each other. And I think that the sense that I got from you, and I think even what led to the conversation from style to image was, I mean, you use words like gumption and you talk about something that is a lot more felt sense than just style. Like I felt like style was one angle, but kind of what you talk about, which is why I even wanted to have you on the podcast is the whole identity, how women can feel in their clothes. You know, I talk about how women can feel in their bodies, but what you talk about is how do you treat your body? How do you dress her? How do you take care of her? And I kind of felt like it just encompassed so much more. So I'm so glad. So tell us a little bit about how you got to becoming a coach that talks about this topic, why it's even relevant for high achievers, especially because you didn't start out doing this at all. This is like not your career or your profession. No, and it's funny because I actually went to undergrad to be a fashion designer and then that was hard, air quotes, mm -hmm. and then decided to become a lawyer because that would be, again, air quotes, easier, which is insane in retrospect. Mm -hmm. And I was a very good lawyer. I was a litigator. I did complex litigation throughout my career since as a baby attorney all the way through when I decided to stop practicing and what I realized along the way was I still had a love for style, like a huge love for style, huge love for fashion. And I had a tremendous love for spending time with really incredibly smart women. Like mm -hmm. those are my people. I think it's part of what you and I attracted us to each other. I was like, Absolutely. oh, I like your face and you're smart. Yeah. Let's go. Right. So yeah. There's something very incredible about being around other, you know, smart cookies, for lack of a better way of putting it. And the more time I spent with really smart women who were at the top levels of their career, doing incredible things in the world, whether they were doctors or they're lawyers, accountants, nurses, like all of the really incredible women in my world, I realized that there was this commonality of operating like you were a body mm -hmm. that was divorced from your top half. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of funny, like you're this floating head and everything's happening in your mind and in your brain, you're really cerebral and you're thinking about things and you're problem solving or you're creating really cool shit. And then it's like the bottom half of you is sort of like floating around, like absent from you somewhere. And it was like, you know, those are connected. And mm -hmm. then it was kind of trying to get women to grasp the idea that they are not just a floating head. Mm -hmm. They are a whole human body. They're a fully fledged together one body. <laughs> and how do we get them back to that idea, that understanding that there's only one of them there's not the compartmentalized versions of them. There's the mom them, and then there's the professional them, and then there's the spouse, and then the lover, and then the friend, and sometimes daughter. No, there's there's one of them, mm -hmm. <laughs> only one, uniquely, yeah. amazingly one of them. 
And if we could get her to stop compartmentalizing and show up fully as herself, the size of her ass, the shape of her breasts, I mean, all of her, all the parts of her, how much more powerfully could she show up to do whatever her work is? Right. And that has sort of been the heart center of what Mm -hmm. I do. You know, and I think this actually might have even spearheaded some of our first conversations because I have been that person, as we've talked about kind of offline, I've been that person who has been really in my head, like really focused on my creativity, what I want to put on the world, the quality of my work has been a huge one. I, you know, especially as an OBGYN physician, like in my physician life, it was like all focused on productivity and like results focused. And I, I think that for a really long time, I kept kept thinking, particularly when I was not at the size that I wanted to be, that I would just take care of it later. I had a lot of these like later thoughts, like, let me first be productive. Let me first, you know, do good work. Let me first check things off my list. Let me first take care of my patients and, you know, my family and the workplace. And then kind of like when I've taken care of all those things, then maybe I can take care of myself. And that meant obviously, of course, like my, my efforts to feel good in my body physically, but like, the way that I dressed myself felt like such an afterthought. It felt like, you know, I can, I can get on by, I can scrap on by for now. And because it, it like, I don't see how it really matters. Like I, it did matter, but I'm like, maybe it doesn't really matter. So what do you say to that? Because I feel like this is kind of one of, one of the first conversations that you and I probably ever had. Yeah. And I mean, but if we think like we back up, right? Like of course you were thinking that like most really intelligent, smart women were told well, just wait, Mm -hmm. just go be smart, Mm -hmm. get the pieces of paper, earn your degrees, get the good career, make a lot of money. Like then you can worry about that other stuff. Like the other stuff that the other girls worry about, but you, Mm -hmm. you special snowflake Mm -hmm. smart cookie, you just worry about your brain. You go be smart. And we're kind of socialized that way. If you're a really smart woman, like that, that other stuff, right? We're relegated. We're relegating it to stuff is unimportant. Just go be smart. And that will speak for itself. Your accomplishments will speak for themselves, mm-hmm. which is true to a certain point. But then a lot of you high achievers, extremely successful women, eventually you reach a point in your career, your professional life where other humans have to see you. Mm-hmm. You will be leading teams. You will be in charge of other folks. You'll be managing them. You'll be mentoring them. You'll be doing rounds with them. You'll be teaching them. Your heads of committees, galas. Oh my God, the doctors, you love to gala. It's like a whole mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. So like eventually, eventually love, we will need to see you. You will reach such a height in your level of success that you will be seen by other folks and we can't have you just operating in your own head because the world really needs the gift that is you, the way you think, the way you approach things, your experience, your skills, your knowledge, all of it. And we can't reach that level if literally you are not equipped with what you're wearing to show up in those spaces. And what I see a lot of times is when my clients come to me, they've waited till the very last minute because they have an important thing coming up, right? So they're going to chair committee and their ass is on fire when they're shopping. Cause like, but it's next week. I'm like, but you knew about this six months ago. So Mm -hmm. sorry. Like we could do so much love, right? Or Mm -hmm. they're speaking on stages or they're going in front of literally the world health organizations talk about vaccines or like any number of things. And what happens is it, detracts from the important work you have to do if you're actually worried about your clothes because suddenly the clothes became very important. 
Right. I think like part of the reason, because I've definitely done that, I can think and even as you're talking, I'm like replaying scenes in my mind of events where I left the outfit, you know, with plural, because there might have been like more than one for an event needed to the last minute. And I know that the reason the thought that I had was, I don't have time for that, because I need to spend this time on quote unquote, important things, which is like the presentation itself or the quality of like, you know, the actual work that I'm going to be doing. So I I used to tell myself, number one, like, I don't have time for this. I'll get to it later. Or I think the subconscious thought was like, it's not as important as these other things. And what I'm hearing you say is that kind of to be a beacon where you can get out the message you want to get out and show up and, you know, let that important work translate to the people around you, whether it's your local community or your team or your organization, dressing in a way that lets you feel more like you in your most powerful way. It's almost like it lets you amplify your message. That's kind of what I'm hearing you say. Tell me if that sounds true. Yeah, no, exactly. Because, and this is why this matters. If we're not dressing in a way where we feel confident, where we feel comfortable, then Mm -hmm. we end up being in distraction and we're detracting from our own message. Mm -hmm. And that to me, for so many smart women, would just be such a travesty. You have so many important, you do have important work to do. Mm -hmm. You do have important things to say. Yes, the work you do is literally more important than whether or not your sweater is red or blue. Yes, I'm all in on this. Mm -hmm. Until... It becomes such a distraction for you because you're not prepared. You don't have what you need on hand to go deliver your message. You don't have what you need on hand to feel confident when you walk in your room. So now instead of focused on the words you're supposed to speak, I actually had someone two weeks ago, she's in charge of a very large organization of a particular type of therapist. I will just say it. And literally all she could think about before delivering this speech to thousands of people was, oh shit, I have nothing to wear. Right. Then that, then we have a problem, right? Because like right. you have some more thing to deliver mm-hmm. and now you're distracted by your clothes. Now it's detracting from the time you would have spent prepping for your speech, worrying about what you're going to wear. So yeah, suddenly it did become really important. It always mattered. Like mm-hmm. enclosed cognition is a real thing. You can go look up tons of studies on it. How we perceive other humans happens in nanoseconds, right? Human heuristics are always at play. Our brains are wired to short circuit information in nanoseconds. And then we determine what we think and feel about this person. So as much as I'd like to say, oh, it doesn't matter. That's not the human reality in which we live. It actually really does matter. And because your work is so important in the world, it is important that we dress you appropriately to deliver whatever your message is. Right. Okay. So I have so many thoughts on this. Okay. So let's Judith, we need to, we need to unravel a couple of things. So the first one, and this is again, another one you and I have talked about offline. I am a huge creature of comfort. Like I love to feel comfortable and cozy. I want the cozy things. And I often have associated like really nice clothes or like looking really put together with this idea of being uncomfortable. I don't even know where I came up with that. It's just something I've probably held for many, many years in, in my attempt to be like, Priyanka, you're fine. Like, I'm like, we, we want to be comfortable. And so what do you think about that? Because I will choose comfort over fashion any day. And I kind of, I don't know whether, and this is maybe what part of the reason I loved living in scrubs. I was like, listen, I have, I can basically wear pajamas to the hospital. I can deliver babies in this thing. This is so lovely because I felt comfortable in those clothes rather than having to put on 
it's not put on a show, but like, it feels almost like putting on a show. So what would you say to someone that has that thought? Like they really want comfort. Comfort is so important to them because it makes me feel, it's like, oh, I get to kind of be me. That's the thought. It's like, I get to be more me when I feel really comfortable in what I'm wearing. So my objection has always been like that fashionable stuff is just not comfortable. Oh, it's not. I would want to wear it. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> right. So like if yeah. I, one of my favorite shows of the runway this year was like these latex upside down dresses that were like, kind of like snap on clothes. I don't want to walk around like that. Like, yeah. so <laughs> I think it's important to make the distinction between style and fashion. Okay. So I like to describe it as like fashion is a circus parade that we okay. get to enjoy going by and we get to kind of laugh and giggle at the feathers and the sequence and the elephants and the hoopla of it all. We get to enjoy it as spectators. Okay. It's separate and apart from style. Style is personal and style mm-hmm. is our thoughts and our feelings about where ourselves outwardly reflected in what we choose to put on our bodies. So mm-hmm. that could be good and that could be bad depending on how you're thinking and feeling about yourself here's where I think is kind of interesting. And you touched on something that I definitely want to go back to is like, I feel like I'm putting on a show or kind of like, I feel like I'm dressing up like someone else. Yeah. And that's typically because we don't, we're not working with clothing that actually is Mm -hmm. what you're thinking and feeling in that moment. We're not planning for the whole human. We're just trying to slap a cute outfit on you, send you off into the world. And that's not how actual personal style works. We need to know how you think about yourself. How do you feel about yourself? How do you live your actual lifestyle? What are your actual body shape requirements? Do you have any sensory issues for clothing? Do you know how many women I serve? This is, oh, I have a pet peeve. Like who have actual sensory issues? Like, because either they're on the spectrum, they may be a little neurospicy, or they just don't like clothing feeling a particular way, but their whole lives they were told, sit still. Well, I'm really itchy, mom. Doesn't matter. Sit still. Don't ruin your nice clothes. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like our beauty is pain. We're all supposed to be slightly uncomfortable in our clothing. And right. That's a socialization that I think we could all just do away with. We are not required to be uncomfortable in our clothing in order to look stylish. Gone are the years of corsets where women are literally fainting because they can't breathe. They're not getting enough oxygen. Like we could all do away with that collectively. Let's not bring it back in some weird form or fashion with modern day clothing. Mm. It's just not required. So I think like, so what I'm hearing you say is like that I I probably have really kind of crossed the difference between fashion and like being trendy and, you know, kind of like the fun things that you were talking about versus really having a sense of what my style is based on what I think of myself. Like what is the way that I want to think about myself is one angle. And then the other one is like, what is the image that I want to be portraying in my community, in my organization, in my business? And I I think that I wonder whether you, I'm guessing you have really helped clients think about how they create their sense of style. Like I was someone, right, for so many years, medical school, it was like, you know, basically, I don't even know what I wore. Like it was like pajamas, but like reasonable looking pajamas, like all day long. And then in residency, (laughs) it was scrubs, right? Every single day. And then definitely in attending life, I remember actually after I graduated residency, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to get some nice clothes. I went to J. Crew. I don't know. What do you think about J. Crew? I went to J. I Crew. I got J. some Crew. really cute dresses. Like he, I wore heels. I mean, I was like, who, who am I? I felt so proud of myself as an attending. And then that lasted maybe <laughs> a month, two months or something. And it was just, I think, not comfortable for me to see patients in that, in that, in that style. So I went back to wearing basically scrubs all the time. So I'm curious, like for someone that doesn't know their sense of style and, or they've maybe been like me, like wearing scrubs all the time, how do they start to discover where to start creating their sense of style. Okay. So this is one of my 
favorite things in your clients. And I tell my clients every week, I'm like, this is my favorite. And I said, I'm like, but everything's going to be my favorite. And they just kind of laugh. So we actually just did style statements with a current group of clients that we have. And I don't like to use a typical paradigm. So typically what would happen if you tricked selecting your style, you would take some really lame quiz and they would tell you if you were classic or bohemian or whatever the people were coming mm-hmm. up with, which I have thoughts about clearly. So I like to use a totally different system where we use a series of questions to help elicit from the client, like what they're currently wearing, how they feel about themselves, what their favorite items were and and work them through this process. And then it's incredible what they say to me about the thoughts and adjectives that they have for themselves. So Mm. by way of example, I have a client right now, her, her style statement is polished, vibrant, and a little bit extra. Mm. And she works for a big government agency. She oversees a lot of people and if you met her, it would make so much sense. You'd be like, oh my gosh, yes. And then I have another client who's creative, (laughs) creatively chill, Mm -hmm. right? But if you met her and you knew her personality, this would just make so much sense. She's also hilarious. She cracks me up every time. (laughs) Sometimes she makes me laugh. I have another client who it's chipper and classic. And if you met her, that would make so much sense. Mm -hmm. So There is a process by which we can elicit from your brain, your thoughts about yourself and have it be, you know, making sure that comfort is the minimum requirement. So I actually don't allow my clients to include comfortable in their style statements Mm -hmm. because we all make a pact with each other that their clothing will be comfortable from here on out, period, end of story. It's not comfortable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it into their closet. Right. Like it doesn't need to be a special word as a part of your style because everything should feel Everything should yeah, be like, Judith, what do you mean comfortable can't be one of my words? That's like one of my main words. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But like, that's that's now the minimum baseline requirement. Right. All of your clothing should be comfortable on your body or you don't wear it. Mm. Okay. So you're basically saying that like the way that someone might start even identifying what their sense of style is, is these words that just paints a picture of who they are. And okay, so this is a little bit of a deviation, but I felt like for me, when I was at my personal heaviest, I didn't like the the words that I would have chosen for myself. And I mean, this is like, you know, I think a big thing that a lot of women are dealing with. They, They think, and I know I did, is when I lose the weight or when I like reach my personal body goal, then I will know my identity. Then I will be able to you know, have that dream style, then I can even think about myself in a way that feels powerful. I know that that was me for so long. So what do you, what would you say to someone like that? That's like, I just am not at the weight that I want to be. And so like, you know, it's one of these shoulder shrugs. Yeah. (laughs) I call it turtling. It's like, Mm -hmm. you right. I, I actually, I was spoke to someone recently. I was at someone else's live event she was really resistant. She's like, yeah, yeah, body, love, whatever. And I was like, wow, you got a lot of feelings. She goes, what? I don't want to be this weight. I don't want to be in this body. So body positivity doesn't do anything for me. And I was like, I didn't even suggest you be positive about your body. This is so interesting. But I recognize what was going on for her, which is, I think, similar to what your clients probably struggle with is if I accept my body as it is right now, And I decide I'm going to dress the body I have now. I'm going to even try to love or even let's just say like, not hate the body Mm -hmm. I have right now. Then it's admitting defeat. It's admitting failure. And I will be stuck in this body at this weight for forever. Mm -hmm. And to some of our clients who have struggled with their weight their whole lives, that's like the worst thing we could ever try to invite them into. Mm -hmm. Like they can't even fathom it. 
So a great way to kind of, and this is you, dear listener, I say that to you to tell you, I love you. I see you. I get it. And I'm not going to try and sell you on body love because I actually don't even think we have to go there. But it's important to ask yourself this question and then to mull it over. If I lost the weight and I got to the ideal size, shape, weight, whatever the hell it is I want, right? You get to choose whatever it is you want. What would you then allow yourself to believe is true? What would you then allow yourself to think about yourself? What would you allow yourself to call yourself? What would you allow yourself to say about you? Because that gives us a window into really probably what your style already is if you accepted that that could be true in this current body. Now, you may not be there yet, but at least an opening, a, a window into how you might think about this is to imagine if all these things that you hope to be true were true, then what would you give yourself the pleasure and allowance of thinking about yourself? And then we can play from there. Mm. You know, I think as you're sharing that, because it feels like it really touches home for me when I was at my heaviest, I think I I felt I was very confident. I was like a con I was a confident person in the workplace and you know at home, but I was not confident about my body. I was not confident around my body. I didn't feel like in control of it. I didn't feel good about it. And I think the thought I used to have is when I lose the weight, when I lose all the weight that I want to lose, then I will get to feel confident about myself. That's what it, I would feel confident about myself. So I felt really confident about my skills at my heaviest. I felt confident about my skills. I felt confident about my brain but then I will feel confident about myself. That's what I told myself. And I think for so long, you know, when I was like basically living, Judith, I don't even know if I told you this, but like I like I got close at Target for a long time, which is fine. Target has some like really cute things, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I kept those clothes, that size clothing that I was wearing at my heaviest, even as I lost a little over like 60 pounds, I didn't just like get rid of that. I didn't get rid of it. I was like, like, you know, it's I'm not there yet. 10 pounds down, 20 pounds down, 30 pounds down, every decade of weight that I lost, it's, it was never enough for me to be like, I'm still wearing now at this point, I'm wearing loose clothing. By the way, it's probably years old. It's like tattered. And that is how I would dress myself at home because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not there yet. So like, why go shopping? Why take the time? Why spend the money on clothes? Like I'm not even at that I'm not even there yet. So like, why bother? And it's like, now as I'm even sharing this with you, I'm almost getting a little choked up because it's like, it's like, how was I treating myself along the way to like, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. It's just, it's bananas. I don't know. You, you take it away. Cause I might just start it's crying on the podcast. <laughs> I know. It's like, this is how we're socialized, right? We have gold clothing. What are are your Mm -hmm. non-food rewards going to be for Mm -hmm. your weight loss? And it's Mm -hmm. like, does that actually work for you? Like I had a client, she would hang this outfit and it was over a decade of hanging this outfit in her closet. It was too small for her. Mm -hmm. And it was her goal outfit. And I was like, how do you feel when you walk into your closet and you see your goal outfit? She's like, I feel terrible. Right. Like, so every morning you start out your day feeling terrible. And then you go make your food choices from feeling terrible and you expected what to happen on your weight loss. She was like, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Like goal underwear, goal lingerie, goal. I've heard the goal bras, goal, whatever. Yeah. So it's funny because we tell ourselves 
if you do this thing that you find tremendously difficult and really hard to do, instead of that being the reward in and of itself, I'm going to tie it to this other thing that you have a really hard time with. And I'm only going to allow you to do this other really hard thing when you've done this first really hard thing. And it's right. like, oh, let's talk about how humans are motivated. That is not how we are motivated. Not even close. Right. right. So part of what I like to tell my clients is we have to divorce these ideas from each other. Hmm. If you want to go on a weight loss journey, you want to go on a gain weight journey, you want to go on a muscle journey, you want booty gains, you want to mm-hmm. slim down, whatever it is you want to do to your body. Let's just separate that from how we care for it, how we dress it, how we lotion it, how we Mm -hmm. hydrate it, Mm. because those are two separate things. We've conflated them, and that's how the media gets us to buy a lot of stuff and to buy into certain ideas and to spend a lot of money on things we don't need, is to tingle these ideas. Right. When you lose weight, you can get the gold bikini. Mm. When you lose weight, you'll be allowed to go on vacation or... How about we live our life, we go on vacation, we wear bikinis if we want to, and we can also be on a weight loss journey. Right. It's not an if, then, or an either, or. Yeah. It's a yes, and also this other thing. Yeah, I so, I mean, like, I think for me, there's like so many, there's there's, there's a few reasons. I, I think one is what you said at the beginning, the body love, body acceptance thing. That's something that I, we, you know, I've coached my clients on, and it's like almost it's this, not unfathomable, but almost like this, you know, you know, those like the emoji, the brain exploding emoji. It's like that moment of like, wait a second. I didn't realize that I didn't have to hate where I was right now to hit my personal body goal. Right. Like just understanding that you may not love where you are right now. And I totally get it. But like, what if you didn't have to hate where you were right now to hit your goal? I think so many high achievers think that they'll become complacent. Mm-hmm. that's what it is. Like if I don't hate where I am right now, and I think like, that's like our way of like muscling ourselves to take action, then I'm just going to become complacent and just like not care. And that's just not the high achiever way. Like, listen, if you're a high achiever listening to this, there's no such thing as you not caring. I mean, you care, you just don't have to beat yourself with a stick. That's been my experience. The second piece that you're talking about is what, what hit home for me is I used to think that when I hit my goal weight, that's when I'll deserve it that's when I'll deserve to spend money and time and care is the big one. And care on myself is when I've proven to myself that I'm worth it. And the way that I would prove it to myself is by taking myself seriously. I mean, this sounds all like, if you wrote this down, it sounds reasonable on paper, but as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, oh my gosh, Priyanka, (laughs) really? You know, it's like, you know, when I've taken care of myself, when I've proven to myself that I can, you know, hit this goal, then I will deserve to spend the time, the effort, the money on dressing myself well. And I mean, it's taken, I mean, even to this day, I don't love shopping. I mean, I tell you this all the time, like Judith, I think I even post this on Instagram. I'm like, okay, I moved. I have to throw all these clothes, but I'm having a hard time getting rid of some of these Target tattered clothes. And you sent me a message like Priyanka. Your skin deserves more than this. <laughs> it's the deserving piece for me. I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah. And I think I think it's kind of messy, right? When we use the word like deserving or worth or value, because mm-hmm. if you don't feel like you're good enough ever, those words aren't going to be helpful to you. They're just going to make you feel worse. So I kind of like to put it in terms of like, you are a human being, full stop. That, that's the only thing we need to know about you. 
Like we don't have to get you to believe in your worth or your value or that you're deserving because most high achievers are never going to believe that about themselves. It's like an uphill mm-hmm. battle that we don't have to wage. Like you are a human. Okay, human, you deserve to have nice things sitting close to your body. Like whatever is going to be closest to your heart and your skin, like surely we could have nice things. Mm. Full stop. Just because you're a human, just because you're a being on the earth walking yeah. around. Yeah. That's it. That's all we need to know about you. But that's even a hard sell. So I think kind of the way to ease into this is to take the idea of loving your body off the table completely. Yeah. And just like not hating where you're at. Like, I think that that's like not to hate it. Yeah. I just, I, I, I just find, you know, and whenever I reflect back on those times where I did used to feel like that, I think I also feel this like a mix of gratitude that I even went on the journey. Like even the fact, the fact that you and I are sitting here, if I took, listen, a few years ago, if I ever could have flashed forward, like you're going to be, first of all, a coach, you're going to be talking with a style and image expert, and you're going to care about this. I would have laughed or I would have been like, I don't understand how that's even possible. Like what a leap, but I'm so grateful that I came, first of all, that I met you and that I even came on this journey that I'm even like having this conversation because it's bringing up so much, like how, in how many ways I was so curious and how many ways high achievers are holding themselves back because we are like prescribing to certain rules on what we are allowed to do, what we have to do first before we're allowed to care for ourselves and the image that we put out there. So if you could just think about like some of the practical tips that you would give someone that feels kind of like a novice. They're like, okay, I can see why this might matter. I can see how I maybe don't have to wait until I hit my goal weight or until I feel fully comfortable in my body. Where should somebody start just like dipping their toe in and getting started? Personally, I think your underwear drawer. <laughs> you, I know. Okay. You always talk about the pants. Yeah. You always talk about the underwear. Let's, let's go there. Yeah. And yeah. anybody who's, if, if any of your listeners entered my world, I will be talking about panties. I talk about underwear. Yes. I know, but I think it's the easiest point of entry for high mm. achievers who think like we, we were thinking back in the day, right? Like this is not important. I have more important things to worry about. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend money on this right now. I have to lose weight first. I have to get this degree first. Then I'm allowed to think about these things. Or then next thing is, well, I have to buy my house first and then <laughs> and fill in the blank. Cause we've all been given this timetable on our lives about the progression of things and when we were supposed to do things by and how we were supposed to do them. So then we get to, you know, (laughs) mid thirties and we realize there's no more timetable and we have the rest of our lives to make it up and we're a little lost. So I mean, that's enter, enter Priyanka. That's where I was like, Judith, like, I'm like messaging like, wait, so style, wait, what, what are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Can we just bypass this? I actually realized for a long time, and I'm curious if anyone listening to this has ever felt like this, this will definitely apply to both weight loss and with style. I told myself for so long, when this part of my life is over, then I will pay attention to myself. So medical school, when med school is done, then I will focus on my body. When residency is done, when attending life is done, when my kids are just a little bit older. And I came to the point, I'm in my late thirties at this point, tipping the scale at the heavy side I've ever been. I'm like, wait a second, this is supposed to be the good part of my life. I've worked really hard for so many years. And is this it? I'm like looking around, like, is this, is this meant to be the highlight? Because it's not feeling like the highlight. And it is a wake up call. Like, what if we didn't have to keep waiting for our life to get easier or to get better, to care for ourselves, to invest in ourselves? I wonder what are the small little ways we could just start now? So how does somebody start now with their underwear? Yeah. So I think the underwear is easy because Mm -hmm. no one has to know. 
You're not mm-hmm. going to spend a ton of unless you absolutely want to. And then you do you because there's some beautiful mm-hmm. out there in the world. Mm-hmm. But like it's it's an easy point of entry to just start to pay attention. And so here's mm-hmm. what I mean by paying attention. We need to pay attention to the fit of your clothing, right? So if we just start with your underwear, we start with your panties, we start with your bras, like do they fit you? Are they physically comfortable on your body? If not, then we just got to figure out what your size is, which allows us to pay attention to what your body's currently doing. Mm. We get to pay attention to any sensory things that are annoying you. Do you hate tags? I have some clients who like, everything has to be tagless because they will be driven mad. I have mm-hmm. some clients who they don't like wires on their bras. So we've had to mm-hmm. come up with like, let's find out about you. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to learn like physically what you don't like and physically what you do like, what you would prefer. Maybe you can't wear anything but cotton because lady part issues of some of our mm-hmm. you know clients have, they have to wear cotton undies. Like we're going to learn a lot about you by just doing a little bit of paying attention with, do my underwear fit? Do I have any notable annoyances that I've been ignoring that I could start to pay attention to? And then we could layer on mm-hmm. things like bright colors and prints and patterns mm-hmm. and textures. We could get more playful and like do something really fun if you want to. But right. even just at its heart, if we even upgrade things that are not comfortable to something that is physically comfortable, mm-hmm. we've learned a lot about you in the process. We've started to pay right. attention to you in the process. You start to develop a relationship with yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. And then we can do something else. We can start to talk about shirts or pants. Or shoes, you know, how many people have shoe issues? It's incredible, right? Like we could start small, start to build that rapport with you, right? You could start to date yourself a little bit. Right. And then we can move on from there. And often right. my clients do, they start with their underwear drawer, they move to their closets, and then the rest of their house, their jobs, relationships, like right. everything gets a makeover. But right. Let's just start with your undies. Start small. I feel like this is speaking to the high achiever who is very, I know this is definitely, I mean, ask me how I know because it's me. It's like very all or nothing. Like, oh, if I'm going on this journey, I have to like do all of it at once. I'm, I have that tendency. Like I want to like do the whole thing. But sometimes that can also create a lot of overwhelm, which is then what feeds the whole, like, I don't have time to do this whole big overhaul. And I think what you're saying kind of maybe can give us all permission to like, let it be a small tweak first. Like, let it just be one small thing and like, let it be one step at a time. Like, let it be slow to actually like see traction. I feel like this is like exactly what we talked about in weight loss. Like you don't have to throw spaghetti at the wall and change every single part of what you're doing. Like, what if one small tweak is just where you start, you start feeling really good. You start feeling better, start to get to know yourself and then you start layering things on, which I think is probably so much more fun and creates a lot more traction. Oh, I think it takes a lot more traction. And I'll tell you, I've had clients, I remember it's particular. We're doing closet clean out and she's like, I'm going to do all of it this weekend. And I was like, I really recommend you don't. So let's like clean up the mess we made together. And then let's make a plan for like, you know, 15 minute increments over the next week. You're totally going to get it done. I promise you. But like, I could see, right? She had that that look in her eye, the the high achiever look, right? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) right. It's in the air; you can't see us, and we're like, right, little thing. So I was like, oh shit, she's ramping up. Mm -hmm. I could just feel it. She's not gonna listen to me. So I was like, you know, you get to do you always, but this is my recommendation. So we we meet a week later. She's like, oh my god, so overwhelmed. I was like, you made a huge mess, didn't you? She's like, oh my god, can I show you? So she. She tore apart her guest room. There was like, I mean, literally a mountain of clothing on her guest bed. Mm. And she's like, I should have listened to you. I was like, actually, this is the best thing that could have happened. Mm. (laughs) I need you to see like, this was not helpful to you. And I understand the desire 
to like go all in. And that's what movie montages are, right? Like movie makeover montages are like huge messes, right? We see Claire in her beautiful closet. And then later she's trying all those outfits for her date or, you know, pretty woman, except for Mm -hmm. we don't ever see her put shit back because they're salespeople, right? Like messes are made. This is part of the process, but like we have to plan for that because you're a real human. So dear friend, like don't do that to yourselves. Please heed our recommendation. Go small, go slow, clean up after yourself as you go along. You have important shit to worry about Mm -hmm. rather than a giant pile of clothing. Oh my God. I can totally imagine myself doing that. And then after it's just being like, I need a break from this and like open up the Netflix, get the bottle of wine. Like where are my chips? Like I need a break from the break. Like I need a break from the mess. Like, I mean, it's not, not a surprise. Okay. One last thing I want to talk about. I know like, I feel like we can keep, keep this conversation going forever. Totally one last topic. And I feel like this is such an important point that I think high achievers get, we get a touch of this is sometimes because we have so many things that we love and care about, we really care about impact at work. We care about our family, our kids, so many things in our community and really in the world that the idea of spending either money or time or effort on just us, whether it's body goal or with clothing, feels indulgent or frivolous. And I and I, the sense I get sometimes is like we feel a little guilty. So what would you say to someone who really does have this lion's heart of like wanting to create so much for everyone around them, especially kids and work. And because of that, they feel guilty at taking time away, effort away or money away for themselves. What would you say to someone like that? A few things. (laughs) I'm like, my brain's like, so let me, let me slow my brain train down a little bit. I think you will be less effective in those roles if you're not taking care of yourself. So I understand the heart's desire to serve everyone, whether it's your work colleagues, the work you do in the world, your patients, your clients, your children, your chosen family, your kid free, right? Like I get it. I see your heart. I love it. And I also think you'll be less effective in any of those roles if you are not taking care of yourself. You'll be less of, and this is a a prime example. I had a client, she had a huge board meeting and she had this really important idea she was putting forward that was going to be implemented um, organization-wide. And she was putting together this proposal for this process to be implemented that was proven within her own department. And she said to me, I don't want to hide this time. I don't want to hide this time. And it's, it's, it's like, I could feel her passion. She's like, it's imperative that we implement this process. It will save money. It will save lives. Like she had, I was like, girl, I'm already sold. I'm, yeah. I'm, let's do the process. Let's I'm, go. Yeah. I don't really fully understand your job, but like, I let's do this. Right. Yeah. I was like, you don't have to sell me on the process. You have to sell them. So why are you hiding? She's like, I was so embarrassed last time I stood up mm-hmm. because I was then suddenly like acutely aware that like my clothes weren't really great. She's like, my shirt really didn't fit, kind of gaped. So then I had to hold my body a certain way. And I was just really uncomfortable. And like, please, I don't want to do that this time. I want to go and be able to like flail my arms, show them all the evidence and like the statistics and the research that backs up the process. I was like, okay, okay. okay. I was like, that's what we want. So right, she's extremely less effective if she's like suddenly in the middle of that, like, oh shit. Oh shit, this outfit's not working. And I've had the same experience. I wore spanks that were too tight, too right. coarse in the middle of this amazing oral argument. And I could feel my fat roll like escape the spanks. And I'm sure you all know that the sensation. Oh, yeah. Like that oh, yeah. Bloop, 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 right. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I have to like put my hand in my pants and pull it up and find a way to do this strategically. Mm-hmm. Like it's a distraction. And the same is true for like if you're doing the mom pickup line. 
And it's lonely when you're a really smart cookie and you're in your mid thirties plus to make friends is hard. And then you go looking kind of cray cray to the mom pickup line or the event with the kiddos and you're embarrassed and you want to shrink and hide. You're less effective in that role. And that seems kind of crass. Like, oh, should it really be all about our looks? I wish that wasn't the case, but I'm sorry, dear heart. And I see your heart, but that is part of being a human is we have to show up with clothing on to do the things that we were meant to do in this world. So if you want to be effective in all of those roles, because you have a heart for service, you have a heart to achieve and be successful, let's dress you for the different roles that you play comfortably, stylishly as you define it. And then let's see like how distraction-free and ready and mm-hmm. able you are to really be seen and show up. I love that. I, I love that. And I think that this is something that I will shout from the rooftops, especially because I think you and I both have experienced the impact of investing in yourself with coaching, especially. But when you as a human are really taken care of, when you're given some care and you are seen and heard and your brain is leveled up in how you think of you, I I feel like we just show up so much more powerfully as moms or in the workplace or in your family and in every corner and crevice of your life. But somehow, I know that for me before coaching, I just didn't see that. I didn't know that it was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. I was like, when I get to myself, I'll get to myself. All these other things matter more. And I think what you and I have experienced, I mean, we've both become coaches for a reason, right? And left really like awesome careers is because of the impact of really focusing on ourself too, so we can show up more powerfully the way we want. So thank you, Judith, for having this conversation. I feel like we could have kept going. There's, I had all these questions, by the way, I like reached out to some of my, who like some of my friends are serious fans of yours. And I was like, I, I'm going to have Judith on the podcast. What questions am I going to ask? I have like a whole list of questions. I didn't even get to my questions because we we'll started chatting. Two. We'll do a part two. We should no totally worries. do a part two. I love it because there's so much more. And friends, if you're listening to this, if you loved something about this episode, come and find us on Instagram, tag us, tell us your takeaways, tell us what you're loving. Judith, share how people can find you on Instagram, on your podcast online. And yeah, tell us how we can learn more about you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Judith Gatton. So J-U-D-I-T-H-G-A-T-O-N. And if you do an undies door clean out and you want to send me a snapshot of the pile and tag me, please do. I'm delighted when I get those, by the way. And if you want to kind of come into my world and get some help along the way, you can listen to the Style Masterclass podcast. I love it, Judith. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. For for sure, going to have to have you back. I hope you guys all today enjoyed the episode. Bye. I absolutely loved today's conversation. And I'm so grateful that Judith came on to talk about style and image for the high achieving woman. If you loved it, tag us over at Instagram. I am the unstoppable mom brain and Judith is at Judith Gatton and tell us what you loved about the episode and what your takeaways were. If you're anything like me, you might've had some thoughts like it doesn't matter right now. I'm not at my goal weight yet. It might feel frivolous to spend time, money, or effort on how I dress myself, or I need to hit my goal weight to dress myself in a way that helps me feel the most powerful. But I think today's conversation really sheds some light on the fact that how we treat ourselves, how we treat our bodies, and how we dress ourselves does in fact matter right now. With that in mind, I created an on-demand high-level training for the high-achieving working mom so that you too can feel calm, in control, and powerful in any food scenario, especially during the holidays. 
You can grab it for free over at the unstoppablemombrain.com forward slash desire. It's such a good training. I really hope you enjoy it. And I hope you have an amazing week. I'll see you guys in your email inbox. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable Mom Brain podcast. It's been an honor spending this time with you and your brilliant brain. If you want more resources or information from the show, head on over to the unstoppablemombrain.com.